you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 17th of December. Stop taking so many shots at the rim. Come on, stop shooting those shots at the rim. We'll explain that thought. It's ridiculous. I'm making it up. Then we'll look at the Rockets matchup and around the NBA where everybody st- uh, sits on this Monday. It's locked on jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. So glad to bring you Locked On Jazz today. It is available for you. You can just tell Siri, Google, or Alexa to play podcast Locked On Jazz, or when you get in your car, just tell your smartphone to play podcast Locked On Jazz. Uh, this is your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers. And we'll look at the loss to Orlando, the game against Houston, and around the NBA today. The show brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, Grip 6, and Homey Real Estate. Well, that was a bad loss in Mexico City. Um, the Jazz lose to the Orlando Magic. That's a game you need to get. Uh, this is the problem with the Jazz start is they haven't stole enough games. Uh, against teams, though I think that's somewhat unrealistic. They've kind of gone back and forth for every one they've got. They've given one back. and So they're going to have to find a way to steal another one now because they just gave one back to Orlando. Um, And it was a terrible, terrible, terrible shooting night. One of the worst shooting nights, I think, by any team um, all season long. We don't have all of the data that we would regularly have because the game took place in... Mexico City, so the stats view cameras and all that other stuff uh, weren't available. I was trying to go see what our QSQ was, which is uh, estimated shot performance compared to what uh, we actually did have, uh, and then realized that there was no Orlando Jazz game, and then realized it was because there's no cameras, and so therefore uh, we don't have it. But the Jazz just shot the ball terribly, Um, and this is not new to us. We've done this a few times and might be a little bit of kind of who we are, frankly. Um, As frustrating as that uh, might be, it was our 27th offensive performance tonight. It was our ninth best defensive outing of the year, and it goes for not. The Jazz defense is beginning to click back in. Uh, If you look at Miami defensive rating 101, San Antonio 101, um, Houston 87 last time we played them, then two not great outings against San Antonio and Oklahoma City, then an 85 and a 97. Um, the defensive looks, you're getting more and more dominating defensive performances. They're the eighth best defense in the league now, third best defense uh, over the last 10, kind of what we anticipated more out of this team. Offensively, you know, uh, that that was poor. Seven of twenty nine from three, and so what happens is I get a bunch of emails and messages from everyone that we're shooting too many threes. That's just sorry, guys. It doesn't really work that way. The problem, frankly, is we had stunningly, stunningly open shots that didn't go in. Stunning. Um. And two different sequences in that game where we just stopped scoring at the same point in the first and the third quarter. The 540 mark first quarter, 
about 5.40 mark third quarter, we just went dry. Started with, I mean, uh, the first, Donovan had a good look three. The next time Donovan literally takes a dribble, sets his feet, reads the laces, fires, misses. Corver had a wide open three. Ingles had a wide open three. Royce O'Neal had a shot that was the most wide open I think I've ever seen in the NBA until I kept watching the game and saw Ricky Rubio have one even more wide open. Now, you know, it feels like a wide open three. I find this fascinating. It feels like a wide open three should be a 50% shot, and it's not. So, you know, that's one of the things is that most threes guys take are pretty darn open. And the, I think the league average on a wide-open three last time I checked was um, about 36 37%. So there are some elements here where, you know, you the, the risk of taking that three is the fact that it's it doesn't, you know, it's, it's a longer shot. It's still the right shot, people. Um, but because 36, 37% from three is 1.0 whatever points, and we don't have many shots that are better than that. Um, the, the craziest one about the night was the twos. We got to stop taking shots at the rim. We were 12 of 31 at the rim. 12 of 31 at the rim. I don't know how that happens. Is that altitude? Uh, just a bad night. I'm not, I'm not going altitude or Orlando's long. Uh, but that's a that's a bad night, and that's too bad. The average, by the way, I'm just pulled it up because I want to make sure I was right. The average median team, so 15th in the league. Team in three-point shooting on wide-open threes is 37.5, 38%. So you should shoot about 38% on wide-open threes. Spurs are 43. Clippers are 43. Kings, who are totally legit, by the way, are 41. Warriors are 41. Hornets are 41. Pacers are 40. Magic are 40. Nets are 40. There's a bunch of teams 40. Utah Jazz are 37.1. Like, as terrible as we've been, it feels as though... We, it should be, you know, far worse. I'd love to pull up last game, um, but again, no stats, few cameras, so we will have one fewer games um, in our database than everyone else this year because we played in in Mexico City. But I'm telling you what, we weren't six feet open. We were 16 feet open. I've never seen anything like it. Guys were just stunningly Wide open. The only thing... I don't know how to feel about this. So, the instinct is that we should be critical of the offense. That we should find something wrong with the offense because they just put up an 88.7 and they were really, really bad. And I actually am a little concerned that I feel like we are pushing a little bit closer toward taking more and more mid-range shots, which when you're not a great shooting team is a little problematic. Everyone is pushing that direction. Every day in Ron Boone on the broadcast is. Every single day I get it from fans. Uh, I, I'm, I, you know, we opened the year and rarely had a game 
in which we ever took 30% of our shots from three. In fact, the first time, or from two, the first time we did was on November 16th. Now, let's, since then, we've done it November 16th. We've done it November 19th. We've done it November 28th. Uh, There must be a mistake on that data because it has us not shooting any threes that game. Uh, We did it December 9th. We did it December 12th. Now, is our offense better because of that? I don't think so. But it's worth going to take a check, and it's probably worth putting some sort of a run through the numbers here of what our offensive efficiency is on games where we take a bunch of mid-range. Last year, whenever we took mid-range shots, we lost. There was a direct correlation last year between our shot distribution and whether we won or lost the game. And there is across the NBA as well last year. I will run the same study probably at some point tonight, today or tomorrow or the next day on whether after we have enough games now, 30 games, to see whether that's still true. But as we've missed threes, what we've begun to do is take more mid-range twos, just slightly. That's there Now, is that because the league's forcing it? Are those actually better shots? Um, I, I, it's hard for it to be a better shot. I hate to tell you this. I know that there's a bunch of people out there that, that want to, and Ron Boone's talked to me, which is an interesting perspective, that as a player, you know, if he can get that closer shot that he feels good about, takes it, makes it, he feels better about his game for the rest of the day. Okay, there's something real to that. Had a really interesting conversation with a coach last night about how I was talking about, like, I don't care if you lose by 40 or 20. He's like, the players do. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's like, you know, the players go and get a few extra buckets late in the game and cut it to 15. They feel better the next day. Thought that was interesting. But we don't, you know, Donovan is shooting the mid-range shot great. And Ricky's okay. Ricky's 43%, which is better than league average. That's still only .86 points per shot. Where we really struggle is when we get in to the paint non-restricted area um, and take some of those shots. We're not particularly good at those. So, I mean, the Orlando game is just a bad, it's a bad loss. We just missed a t- million shots. I don't think there's an answer to missing a million shots. I, I don't know what you're really supposed to do about that. I guess that's my point. Like, hey, the shot distribution's not quite as good as it once was, and yet most people are shading toward, hey, we've got to fix, you know, got to shoot more twos because they're easier shots and we're not making shots. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's actually true. Um, I think that's falling sucker to recency bias and making mistakes, but um, time, you know, time will tell. We shoot 40% from mid-range shots, which is good, but that's because, but like I hear, I've gotten a lot of Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is 7 of 24 on long twos. Like, he should shoot his three. He needs to make it more. He might not want to shoot as many contested threes as he does. But his above-the-break three is 34%. That's pretty good. It's over a point a shot. His corner three is terrible, which is surprising. Dante, Dante's got to shoot more in that little floater zone. Yeah, he's 8 of 30. He's got to make more. Not shoot more, make more. Favors has made his mid-range shots. Donovan is pull-up mid-range shot is 49%. It's really good. And considering the fact that he's only shooting 31% on above-the-break threes and 29% on quarter threes, Donovan steps into a mid-range shot. It's probably a pretty good play right now. Rubio is a 40% mid-range shooter at 0.8%. He's only 30% on above-the-break three. And guess what? That's a better shot. 
Now, he really swings with confidence on a given night, so maybe it isn't, but it's frankly not that big a difference. Four of ten versus three of ten, the chance of him pulling up for his mid-range, and the closer he gets to the basket, the less good he gets. But his long two is 40%, 0.8 points per shot. His long three is 30%, 0.9 points per shot. It's better. It's hard to find guys that are really better at shooting the long two than the three. Donovan can take our mid-range shots right now. The other thing we've got to do is find a way. Our half-court offense is better than it was a year ago. Our transition offense is not. We're not running to score the way we did a year ago. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy out in Logan, in Linden, and in Woods Cross. Actually, they're not in Linden. They're just in Logan and Woods Cross. And the big shop in Woods Cross. I love it when you walk into Murdoch Chevy on the left-hand side. It's the 90-plus years of Murdoch's who've been connected to Utah, running the Chevy dealership. They've got all the old pictures. If you're a car person, you'll love it. Really cool stuff. And then the lineup of trucks and cars that Chevy has right now are just fabulous. And you can tell the level of detail Chevy's going to. The inner pl- the system that you're using uh, when you get in the car, the front inner, you know, the music and all this, it's so intuitive. It's very, very well done. I think they've won a bunch of awards on it as well. Uh, impressive. Uh, the Silverado truck is the king granddaddy. The Colorado is just fabulous. Uh, the SUVs, the Tahoe and the Suburban, you know well, but check out the Traverse with its third row of seats and every bell and whistle. I just finished driving the Equinox, which I really liked. It was quiet. It was fast. It was a nice mid-range SUV. Check it all out. Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross. Tyson is there for you. Stop by and you mur- remember you get the Murdoch guarantee, which is car washes, oil changes, excuse, uh, what is it? Oil changes, safety inspections, five-day price match guarantee, pretty cool, and return policy. It's all at Murdoch Chevy. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6.com slash lock. Grip6.com slash lock. It's last minute holiday shopping. Go to Grip6.com slash lock. The three-pack is the best deal out there for you, but you here's why you want Grip6. Utah Company, fabulous belt, absolutely incredible. Slides underneath and hooks, so you can just kind of adjust it however your waist might be at that given time. Mine changes quite a bit during the season. Also, no holes to try to get it into, so if you change a little bit, you have to find that. No flappy little strap uh, floating around there. Instead, it's clean, it looks solid, it cinches perfectly. It never slips. It lasts forever. It's absolutely fabulous. So they've got the holiday sale going on. If you go to grip6.com slash lock, you can click there. Or you can get the 33% off. Three buckles, three straps, including the Grip 6 hanger. I like the carbon fiber. Um, they just got, that's the first one I ever got. I just got the wood one. They've got a new mountain series that's really cool. They have a flag series for your patriotic um, you got some military members have come back into town. Uh, the Mount Whitney Teton half dome belts are the mountain series for you. The flag series is pretty cool. I actually think they even have a Canadian flag out there if you're, uh, if I remember correctly, if I've seen that correctly. Um, is that right? They have a Texas, they have a Canadian, they have a red USA flag. They have, uh, some really cool, um, USA. They also have a California one if you want to look at that. Uh, so all sorts of cool stuff. And then, 
Check out the Carbon Fiber Series. And then I thought the new one, um, the uh, new one that they have, which is, I think, um, they're kind of plaid belts are really cool. They kind of went out there. They have a fairway buckle. Those are awesome. Check those out as well. It's all at grip6.com slash lock. All right, so we got the Houston Rockets on the docket today. Jazz have got the Rockets twice this year. This is an example, and I'm going to see if I can get Quinn to open up about this a little bit. This is really an example of where NBA coaching is so great. Like, Quinn spent a tremendous amount of his offseason preparing for the Houston Rockets. Like, we literally have play sets that are basically put in to a deal with the Houston Rockets and specifically switching defenses. But Quinn put in entirely brand new offenses and sets just to deal with that this year. And this is where the Jazz have been, you know, are just brilliantly prepared every single night by Quinn and his coaching staff. Alex Jensen has had this Rockets scout forever. And the Jazz are... are our money for it. Now, the Rockets have clicked in and are coming to get the Jazz. If you want to understand that, if you want to watch the game tonight and understand what the Jazz are doing, the main thing that they're doing is that their picks never come together. If you actually set the pick for your guy, it's a it lets Houston do exactly what they want. Then Houston's defender, who's guarding the ball, immediately will take a step below the picker. So if Gobert comes to set a pick for Donovan, the guy guarding Donovan immediately will just go right behind Rudy Gobert and let, and then Capella, whoever's guarding Gobert, switches onto Donovan. But if you never come together and Rudy slips before making contact to Donovan, there's no way for uh, Donovan's man to get back underneath Rudy and prevent him from rolling. And moreover, at that point, there's no way for Rudy's man to be able to get maybe to Donovan as fast and causes some confusion. And that's why the Jazz have had good success against the Rockets this year. That's why they had good success in game number two. The Jazz defensive rating, the Jazz offensive rating wasn't great in their first game. It was actually one of the Rockets' better defensive performances. In the second game, the Jazz shattered them. The Rockets' offense has clicked in. They are the number one offense in the NBA over the last 20 games. They put up mammoth numbers against the Lakers, mammoth numbers against the Blazers, pretty good number against the Grizzlies considering who the Grizzlies are. The last time their offense was bad was against the Jazz in December 6th, and they weren't very good against Minnesota, but since then they've been back. Chris Paul running the show, though he has not seemed quite right. Last 10 games, Chris Paul, 35% from the field, 28% from three. Their defense is really not that much better. For whatever, the last 10 games, they're 26th in the league defensively. The Lakers put up decent numbers against them. The Blazers did. Dallas, we put up huge number against them. Dallas got them the time before. Washington got them earlier. So they are not a doing a great job. They have not, you know, they added Jeff Bidzilic back and did all this, and they have not somehow grabbed the defensive model that they were finding last year. They're just not the same team. James James Ennis, 
who was supposed to be their starting small forward this year, will not play tonight because of a hamstring injury. The other thing that's interesting about them is they're really not that good a shooting team. They take a lot of threes, but they're really not a good shooting team. So they take almost no mid-range shots. Chris Paul takes some. He shoots 44% on them. He's taken 57 of the 100. Chris Paul's taken 57 shots from the mid-range. The rest of the active roster has taken 52. So Chris Paul's the only one really taking those. But if you go look at their above-the-break three-point shooting numbers, they're not a great shooting team. Gary Clark, who kind of they just signed, is playing a little as 29%. James Ennis, who's not playing, is 27%. Eric Gordon's 30%. Gerald Green's 30%. Harden's great, 38%. Chris Paul's 34%. Daniel House, who plays a little, is 29%. P.J. Tucker above the break is 29%. They're 32.7% on above the break threes. Now, some of their corner numbers are good. We're good at denying the corner. P.J. Tucker's at 45%. Gerald Green's at 47%. Ennis, who's not playing, is good. Gary Clark, again, 6 of 17, 22%. Harden's actually not shooting the corner three well, but he doesn't do it very often. So they'll shoot their 50% of their shots as threes. They're just actually not the most efficient three-point shooting team. And then interestingly, they have not clicked in defensively. They are playing better. They have hit some level of desperation. They understand what they have to do. And I would assume they are going to just come and blast the Jazz today. Because of the fact that Jazz waxed them by 27, have beat them twice already. But they, after losing three in a row, have won three in a row. Portland, Lakers, and a good win in Memphis. It's a big stretch for them. A lot of big stretches going on around the league. We will take a look at that. Um, We'll take a look at that coming up here at the rest of the league in just a second. Homie is pretty fascinating company. Utah-based and a group that has done other big business things and now are coming to disrupt the financial world, excuse me, the real estate world, and save you tremendous amounts of money. It's interesting. I've sold a bunch of houses, and it's always wondering to me, like, what's the math on this? Like, so my house becomes more valuable, and the real estate agent gets more money while doing the same job. Why is that the case? There's no really, really good explanation of why that's the case. And that's the whole premise behind Homie. Now, Homie's not just some app or computer. There's real people behind it with real expertise. The people behind Homie have got uh, huge you know, business backgrounds and real company. And they've got a collection of agents and a team that will work with you throughout the process. But what they're really doing is disrupting this agency and saving you money. 199 to list and 1299 to close. On average, homie customers save over $10,000. They recently sold a million dollar home, save the homeowner $60,000 in commissions. When you buy a home with Homie, 
Any home is listed on the MLS, you can qualify up to $5,000 by a refund as well. Home selling, Homey is selling homes faster than the overall market and individual agents. You're not only saving thousands, but you help your, you sell your home fast by putting your home on the MLS and all the other major websites, including Facebook. Use the promo code LOCK and you get $100 off your listing of $199 at homey.com. You can search for homes as well. Homey.com. You find out more about Homey at homey.com. And there was a really, uh, this is just an interesting Utah-based company that's doing disruption in a market that is never, has not seen it in ages. Homey.com. Use the promo code LOCK. All right, so let's take a quick run around the NBA. It, it is sure fascinating right now because I don't think that, like, I'm arguing that misery should love company and that somehow makes everything better every time we lose a game. That's a bad loss against Orlando. Like, we need to win that game. Um, and, you know, we're playing a bunch of really good teams. It's hard to get on a run. But, boy, you look around and it just does feel like suddenly, you know, Everyone is having a little bit of this. Other than Denver. Give credit to Denver. They are rolling. Lakers last night lose to Washington by 18. It was on a back-to-back. San and Sacramento, huge win last night over the Mavericks, 121-13. Two wins against the Kings look good now. Heat go into the Pelicans and win 102-96. That's the Pelicans' one easy game they're playing in this stretch. And they lost it. Pelicans are 15 and 16. And they started this stretch of Boston, Oklahoma City. They lost to Boston, beat Oklahoma City, good win. Then lost to Miami with three days off. How do you do that? Now listen, Milwaukee, Lakers, Kings, and Dallas all on the road. Back for Dallas again, then Houston, Minnesota. It's a pretty big seven-game stretch for the Pelicans coming up here that with all the Anthony Davis rumors starting at a game below 500, it it'll be curious to see what they're able to do or whether or not they suddenly get voted off playoff island. On So that was on Saturday. Uh, or that was on Sunday. On Saturday, when we lost, San Antonio's up 21 in Chicago and lost. They got outscored by the Bulls 55-31 to 31 in the second half. The Rockets went into Memphis and got that nice win. Thunder beat the Clippers. Clippers have just been worn out by the schedule. <coughs> and then the Minnesota Timberwolves go to 2-12 and 12 on the road with a loss in Phoenix. You're not going to win all of them, but it feels like that's, you know, Minnesota 2-12 and 12 on the road. That's, you know, and suddenly 13-16. and 16, That feels like that's going to be awfully hard for them to come back from. Ben Gulliver voted them off playoff island last week on Locked on NBA. Maybe he was right. But they've suddenly lost. They went on the road to Portland, Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix. And lost all four. I mean, 
I don't know where you get a lot of wins when you play Portland, Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix. They come back to play Sacramento tonight. Sacramento coming off a great win last night on a back-to-back, so they should get that. And then they play Detroit. Then they go back out on the road to San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Chicago. I guess they should get Chicago before home for one, back out to Miami, New Orleans, and Boston. They don't figure out how to win on the road. They could be done by January 1st. So lots still going on here. Certainly the Jazz got a bad loss, but it, it, it is interesting to see how things are playing. And it just feels as though, at least in, in my mind, everything feels like it's just everyone's having these struggles. And the schedule just feels like it has a bigger impact than it's ever had. The, the Clippers were playing so well. And then all of a sudden, the schedule just, frankly, beat them up. I don't know what other way to look at it other than the, that the schedules beat the Clippers up. They've had thir- the Clippers have had 13 straight games, I believe it was, in which they had a plane flight before their game. I think, I mean, we had that same stretch. Let's take a quick look at the last 10 games, kind of who's hot, who's not type of look at things. The five best offensive teams are Boston, Houston, Philadelphia, Sacramento, Golden State, and San Antonio is sixth. It's really interesting. They're five and five in that stretch. The coldest offensive teams are Phoenix, Chicago, Orlando, Detroit, Memphis. That's going to be hard for Memphis to continually overcome. The hottest defensive teams, Indiana number one, Oklahoma City two, Boston three, Denver four, Utah five over the last ten games. Orlando sixth. All right, well, we help, we help them out with that. Worst defensive teams are Cleveland, Houston, New York, Atlanta, San Antonio, and the Clippers. Schedule a little bit on the Clippers, but still. The hottest team, Boston, is 8-2 and two with a 16-point differential. Philadelphia's next, Indiana's third, Denver fourth, Lakers fifth, Thunder sixth, Minnesota seventh, Toronto eight, Golden State nine, Jazz ten. Teams have really hit the skids recently. Cleveland, Phoenix, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, and the Clippers. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have a wonderful day. And remember, you can tell Siri to play podcast Locked on Jazz or Google or Alexa at your convenience, hands-free. Tell them to play podcast Locked on Jazz.